0: You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubel, MD, episode number 22. This is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast
1: where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently
0: lose the weight and feel better so that you can have the life you want. This is the resource you've been looking for to guide you on the journey to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food. Here's your host, Dr. Katrina Ubel. Hey my friend, how are you? Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a very special episode for you. I brought on my first guest and had a wonderful and fascinating conversation with another coach who specializes In over drinking. So her name is Rachel Hart, and she is a life coach who helps women who want to cut back or take a break from drinking. She helps her clients learn how to feel more in control, reduce their desire to drink, and feel fun, confident, and relaxed without a glass in their hand. She is brilliant. She's so much fun. And she has such a good, unique, personal, take on the whole alcohol consumption and overeating issue. So listen in and enjoy. So hey, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm
1: really excited to be here.
0: I think this is going to be so good for us to talk about drinking because so many of my listeners are not only having some issues with their overeating, but are probably drinking a little bit more than they want to. So let's start with you telling us all a little bit more about your story and how that brought you into coaching.
1: Yeah, I mean it's really interesting because when I when I talk with people like you and hear about the work around food, I realize that so much of my story really mimics the struggle that people have with food and overeating. It's just that my struggle sort of started with drinking. It started, you know, one of those things that I I drank a lot in my 20s, but so did everyone in my peer group, right? It wasn't always. it wasn't abnormal. Like weekends were spent going to bars and going to parties and I always had a drink in my hand. And I think the thing that was my struggle was feeling like it's just unpredictable, right? Like sometimes my drinking would be fine and I would feel like I was in control and sometimes I would drink way too much and wake up the next day wondering what happened and why did i do that and i didn't understand i didn't understand why my off switch as i like to call it was faulty why it worked sometimes why it didn't work other times and why i also felt like i needed it in a way to deal with feeling anxious or deal with feeling insecure. You know, it was especially when I was around, you know, like in certain situations or around people that I hadn't met before, it felt like my first instinct was, well, I just got to go to the bar and grab a drink and then I'll feel better. So, you know, that was something that I just noticed that it felt like my drinking was different from the drinking of my friends. Um, it felt like something that I couldn't explain to myself and that question was really what, really what sent me in this direction of trying to figure it out and feeling like all the solutions that I knew of out there were, were really black and white. It was either, you know, you don't have any problem drinking and you're a quote unquote normal drinker, end of story. Or if you have any struggle at all, you might be an alcoholic and then you should stop drinking and never drink again. And I felt like I was somewhere in between. and and couldn't figure out why it was different and what was wrong with me and that's really how i started focusing on this and and what led me to where i am today which is coaching women on this issue and helping them feel more in control around their drinking or even take a break from drinking
0: nice yeah and i think that is such an important point to make because it is so black and white right yeah. like either you don't have a problem with alcohol or you're an alcoholic and you should be going to a 12 step program. Right. And, you know, I think you and I both know like there are many, many people who would like to drink less. Mm -hmm. Take a break, like you say, from drinking, but would never ever step foot into an AA meeting or ever identify themselves as an alcoholic. And so they're kind of in the middle. They're floating around, not sure how to deal with it. Did you find that you drank to deal with stress or work related?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. It's because I was really very, very copious at keeping journals in my younger days. And when I go back and look at them, I actually talk about feeling like I was using alcohol as a crutch. I mean, I write write about that when I was 22. And there's a little part of me is like, wow, how did I have that insight? But I did. Like, I knew that if I was feeling anxious, if I was feeling really stressed out, like I had had... Uh, you know, a, a long work week or issues with my boss or just frustration during the nine to five, that that pull to drink and to feel better was so strong. And of course, right, it makes sense. Like alcohol is such a quick and easy fix to change how you feel. And so it's not surprising that anytime I was going into a situation where alcohol might be there. And I already had this, this negative emotion going on. Of course, I would have this pull because I taught my brain, Hey, this is a really simple way to feel better.
0: Totally. I mean, I identify with that so much. I've never been a big drinker. I never have ever thought I had a problem with alcohol, but have there been times in my life where I've drank more than I would like to? Definitely. And towards the end of my time in medical practice, for sure, that was a huge part of it. I've told the story before on the podcast where I would come home literally feeling like I was a zombie, like my brain was, you know, like so wiped out, like the, you know, <laughs> the patients had sucked the life out of me. And I'd sit down, drink a half a bottle of Prosecco and eat some popcorn. And, yeah. you know, and that felt like a nice thing to do for myself. You know, it seemed like the right thing to do in the moment. Then after a period of time, I started noticing, wow, instead of just doing that maybe once or twice a week, I'm doing that most of the nights of the week. And oh, and look at that, maybe even on nights when I didn't work just because the kids were kind of stressing me out. It was interesting how my brain started kind of suggesting that more when I had gone for months at a time, many, many times where I didn't drink and I didn't even think anything of it. So it's like that dopamine hit that we talk about. Same thing with food, you're getting that dopamine hit with alcohol. And I think too, that there's this kind of, cultural sort of theme amongst, you know, sort of more middle-aged women right now where, you know, it's like wine down Friday. Like it's all about, you know, like all, it's always time for five o'clock somewhere. You can have some wine. You definitely deserve wine because you had a hard day, you know, like all about this kind of glamorization of having alcohol as a way to cope or, you know, your kids are driving you nuts. You definitely deserve to have some wine. And, you know, that's completely fine if the results in your life that you're getting are what you want, right? Like there's no problem with that at all. And I don't want to come across like I'm judging that, but I find that so many women who are doing that to somehow cope with the stressors of their lives. Like, first of all, it doesn't make your kids behave any better. (laughs) It doesn't make your thinking about your kids any better after the alcohol's worn off in the short time where you're drinking, it maybe does, but, but, you know, and then you're probably gaining some weight for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I often, you know, I think about it a lot because so many people can relate to this idea of like, by the end of the day, I just need to take the edge off.
0: I just need to shut off
1: my brain. Mm -hmm. I just need to take the edge off. And what I always want people to ask themselves is what is that edge? What are you taking the edge off of? Right. And I think so Mm -hmm. many of us, myself included for a long time, just blew right by that. Right? It was just like, oh, it's just like, I just got to relax. I just don't feel good. I just need to take the edge off. And I wasn't spending that time examining, okay, well, what is that thing that I'm trying to escape from? And for me and for a lot of people, it is negative emotions. It is stress. It is anxiety. It is sometimes a loneliness. It's boredom, whatever that negative emotion is that we don't want to feel. Right? And so you start to teach your brain, hey, this is a way to deal with it. And then, surprise, surprise, you're not making any headway on, actually getting at the root cause of what's creating that negative emotion in the first place and your brain all of a sudden is like, Hey, that seems good. That was good on Monday. I bet it will work on Tuesday. I bet it will work on Wednesday. (laughs) You just get in that cycle and then you wake up and you're like, Hey, how is this happening? When did it, when did I start drinking half a bottle of prosecco?"
0: Like most nights of the week, right? Like, who am I right now? Where I'm asking my husband, like, did you get more wine? Like, what? (laughs) How did this happen? I think it's so interesting too, because that edge, right? Because everybody talks about it that way, you know, like, oh, I got to take the edge off or I just need to relax. It's like, what we don't really realize is the edge is created by our thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, it's our thoughts, our perception, our experience of our lives that's created the edge. And then we don't just change our thinking to soften the edge. We want to look to an outside source. The other thing about alcohol that's so interesting is the idea of coming home from a hard day and having a drink is so socially acceptable. I mean, Mm -hmm. think about happy hour or even when you look back at like old, um, TV shows, you know, the 50s and 60s, right? The husband would come home from work and right away either go make himself a martini or the wife was over there making him a a cocktail, some sort of, you know, before dinner drink. So I think a lot of us grew up just thinking like, oh, this is what adults do. Yeah. Yeah they have a hard day, they have a glass of wine, like, or, you know, they have a cocktail, it's like not a big deal. But I think that, you know, for a lot of physicians who are, you know, my main audience on this podcast, they are kind of sometimes finding, okay, well, so if I'm not eating, if I'm not eating to make myself feel better, well, then I'll just have a couple more glasses of wine, right? Let's talk about that, like kind of switching one, you know, buffering or neutralizing their emotions with one thing, and switching over to the other, whether it's like stopping drinking, and then eating too much, or the other way around.
1: Right. Well, it's so interesting because this is exactly what happened for me, what I started to notice is that I would take alcohol out of my life, right? I would take a break because I was getting all these negative consequences that I didn't like. I didn't like waking up at the hangovers. I didn't like not having a full memory of what happened the night before. I just didn't like how I felt. And by the way, I, you know, I think a lot of people notice this, the longer that it goes on, right? And the older that you get, it seems like, God, I just don't kind of bounce back from these hangovers <laughs> the way that I used to.
0: It. it takes like a whole day to recover. <laughs> exactly. 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 You wonder why you can never get anything from the house.
1: <laughs> so that would happen. I would take it out and then I would just find myself doing the same thing with food. Right. And so I have this one, this one story that I tell because just for some reason, this really clicked in, in my mind, you know, I wasn't drinking at the time and I was really making a concerted effort to be healthy. And I had gone to whole foods and I had gotten the organic cauliflower and I had like the Himalayan sea salt and I had (laughs) roasted a whole pan. I lived on my own at this point. I was making myself a healthy meal and I finished my dinner And I just kept going back to that pan. I kept eating more cauliflower. I kept going back and back. No, it's cauliflower, right? I mean, what, like, there's not gonna be a, a terrible downside. But here's the thing like, I was just, I was doing the same thing that I was doing with drinking, right? I was putting something in my body, so much of it, right? Filling up my digestive system so much that it was literally pulling energy away from my nervous system, away from all those thoughts that I didn't wanna think. I didn't want to feel the emotions that those thoughts were creating, right? And directing that energy elsewhere. And in that moment, I just realized, oh, (laughs) this is what I do with drinking. Like I saw, Mm -hmm. I saw suddenly this connection that I had never understood before. And in that moment, I mean, one, it kind of erased a lot of the shame that I had had because I was like, oh, I'll do it with anything. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I just don't want to feel... Exactly, and like if it's not you know drinking too much wine, I will eat too much food. I will work, you know, so much that my brain doesn't even have a moment to be alone with with its thoughts, right? So I don't have to feel. I will go onto eBay, right, and and shop and shop and shop, so that I don't have to be with these emotions. And I and once I realized that, that for me was the beginning of actually kind of setting myself free because I realized like, oh, <laughs> it's not that there's something wrong with me and alcohol, right? Yeah. It's that I just taught myself that there are ways to cover up how you're feeling and turn down the volume on your emotions. And frankly,
0: you can do it with most things. Totally, and I just need to learn a different way. Totally. I think that is, yeah, so good. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also like you could treat yourself with anything. I found myself sometimes being like, this roasted broccoli is amazing. Right? <laughs> like, am i number yeah. one <laughs> number two like what is the deal here so you know one thing that really worked for me in terms of alcohol i have kind of gone back and forth with drinking never really identified it as ha- it being really a problem for me but the agreement i have with myself with alcohol right now is that when i decide or when my brain offers to me like oh a glass of wine would be nice right now or you should get a you, know, you should have a beer or, you should have a cocktail i always ask myself okay So how is that going to make this situation better? Mm -hmm. And if I like my reason, if I can come up with a really good reason, then I can have it. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I can almost never, ever come up with a really good reason. (laughs) Because, you know, almost always the answer is to try to escape some sort of discomfort. Like I'll give you some examples. Um I for a while there, if the kids were kind of getting rambunctious around dinner time and I was just trying to make dinner, I would have a little prosecco just to take the edge off. It made, you know, it just loosened me up. It made me more patient. It made me have more fun making dinner. And I felt like I was having more fun around the dinner table even though I wasn't really, right? It was just the alcohol. But then what I would find is that I would be really tired that night. And instead of getting a couple things done after the kids went to bed, I was basically just like, Ugh, I don't feel like doing anything. Right? So you're not catching up on those things. Or if you are doing them, they just seem so much harder or slower or things like that. So when my brain goes, ooh, a glass of wine would be nice while you're cooking. And I ask myself that, I'm just like, no, what I'm trying to do, I just want to de stress. I just want the kids to behave themselves. Guess what? Me drinking alcohol does not improve their behavior, <laughs> you know. And so then I'm I literally will be like, oh, that's a bummer. Okay, well, I do want something fun to drink. So maybe I'll open a LaCroix or something, right? <laughs> I'll just have something like that to have. So I think for me, that's worked really, really well. Just really thinking, why do I really want this? How will it make this better. The other area that you mentioned about like anxiety and social situations, I know it can seem kind of strange, but I am I'm what I call it an outgoing introvert mm-hmm. and so going to like a party kind of a situation, I dread it for days ahead of time, even when we have to RSVP, I get the invitation. I'm like, Oh, I have to go to this. I'm not going to want (laughs) to go. But So if you go and have some wine, right? Like it does loosen you up and socially you're more fun. But like you said, there's been times where after the fact, I'm like, I was kind of weird. I didn't really show up as me. Can I just go and be me? Can I just go and have the party not be fun? That's Okay. Yeah.
1: Or also, I mean, here's the other thing. I was actually working with one of my clients yesterday and she was talking about, she was going to a happy hour and she was really feeling like, well, it's just like, these colleagues are new and I'm going to feel so awkward Right and and I know if I have this drink I'll feel less awkward. Right, and she probably would feel less awkward. I mean that's not made up. There's a reason why alcohol is considered a social lubricant. But here's the thing, right? What we end up doing is we teach our brain over and over and over again that when I'm in an uncomfortable situation, right, when I'm when I'm meeting new people, when I'm going to a bar after work, whatever it is, we teach our brain, okay, the way to feel more comfortable and to be more myself is to have a drink, right? And then and then you get to this point because I said to her, okay, well, what if you just experimented? What if you said, I'm going to go to happy hour and see what it's like without drinking? Her brain, I mean, I could watch it. Her brain was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Right. Why would I go? That,
0: right? Right. Like, That's a possibility. <laughs> right.
1: Like I don't, that, Huh? It's like right? not I mean, computing. <laughs> and it was just like, it, it's like, well, how many times have you gone to a happy hour and had a drink, right? You've just taught your brain this is what you do. But I think all of us in the long run, right, we want to feel more authentic. We want to feel more ourselves. We want to feel more comfortable. And if we don't ever give ourselves the chance of learning how to do that without having a glass in your hand, the only thing that will happen is it will just mean that. You won't actually learn how to do those things. You won't actually gain that skill set. You just find yourself feeling more and more reliant. Like, oh God, this celebration's really not going to be fun, or the party's going to be awkward, or how could I possibly enjoy my vacation if I don't have a glass of wine there with me? And I totally understand that because I I mean, I felt like that for so long. Like, you want me to go to a wedding and do what? <laughs> Right. Are you sure? Like, aren't weddings meant for
0: drinking? I don't get this.
1: Like, right. Isn't that the benefit of being a guest?
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> Open bar. Yeah. Totally, totally. And I think too, when like with your happy hour example, I think it's so interesting, right? Because I think that what we do is we think all those new people are going to judge me mm-hmm. if I don't have a drink because they'll think I'm weird or, you know, I'm, I'll, clammed up or I'm just not that much fun. So what we're really doing though, is we're projecting our thoughts about ourselves onto the other people. Like that's really what we think about ourselves. So we're just like, they'll think that way about me too. So I better have, you know, a a glass of wine or something like that. And I think that is so interesting when you start realizing that, like, and I see that with food too, all the time, you know, it's a similar thing. I can go to a birthday party and not eat cake. Yeah. Like (laughs) what? For me, it was like when I literally made from scratch chocolate cupcakes and homemade icing for one of my kids' birthdays and did not even have the desire to eat one. I was like, What? (laughs) This works. (laughs) I can't believe it. Like, this is something that happens to people. (laughs) Right. I
1: mean, that was the exact same thing with me, right? Like, this idea that I could, I mean, I. I loved to drink. I loved it, like I loved my fancy cocktails, right? Like that was something if you had told me, actually, you can unlearn this desire and not miss it and not feel like you're missing out and not feel feeling deprived. It was just like, mm, I th- think that you're wrong in fact i 'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> This cannot be right. But I think a, you know, a big part of that is is we just walk around kind of assuming, oh well, this food is what is creating my desire. This drink is what is creating my desire, right? And so we we just sort of accept or actually convince ourselves that the desire has nothing to do with what we're thinking, has nothing to do with the thoughts running through our mind, it has everything to do with these things in our external environment. And so most people are like, well. If I'm going to stop desiring it, then I need to remove myself from the situation. I need to make sure, you know, my pantry is totally spotless, right? There's not one bit of junk in there, right, that I could be tempted by because it's the bag of Doritos that creates all the desire. And we just blow right past the idea of, okay, well, what's your thinking? You know, if desire Mm -hmm. is an emotion that you feel in your body and we know that our emotions are created by our thoughts let's take a look at these thoughts. And that was, that was the thing that really switched things for me was to understand, oh, how I'm thinking about alcohol, how I'm thinking about why I want it, what it will give me, what I think the benefit is. All of those thoughts are optional. <sighs>
0: Right. And that way you can end up going to a bar with all these amazing craft cocktails and the best thing ever and have it completely unphase you because your yeah. thinking is different. You don't have to avoid bars for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. I got married not too long ago and my husband and I had an open bar at our wedding and I, I wasn't drinking and the idea, right? I mean like the idea that you could get married, you could have this most important day of your life, this incredible celebration and not feel like you were missing out because you didn't have champagne in your glass, right? right. I mean, that just, the fact that I was able to do that and just completely enjoy myself, completely be in the moment, not feel any deprivation. In fact, not really even think about it at all. It was just anonymous. I remember everything. <laughs> yeah, I remember everything. But it also just like some guests were drinking and some guests weren't. And it just didn't, it barely registered, you know? That to me was like, okay, well, Obviously this thought work (laughs) is
0: magic. There's something to this, yeah, (laughs) I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if there is a listener out there who is thinking, yes, I definitely would like to drink less or cut back, take a break for a while, what would be the first couple of steps that you would offer somebody who's thinking, you know, I'd love to do that, but I don't even know where to start.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think really just first having that insight into looking to see, okay, what is going on in your mind? What are you thinking around the drinking, right? What happens for so many people is that the urge to drink appears and we act on the
0: urge, right? It's like so, with eating. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah with that eating. probably looks good. I'm exactly. going to get it. <laughs>
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so I often tell people, you know, just even building in a pause, just even having that moment to bring awareness to your thoughts. I mean, so much of the work that, that we will do later on and that I do with my clients is about starting to change your thinking. But so much change happens actually in just bringing awareness. What are you thinking in that moment? What are you telling yourself that drink is going to do for you? Why are you telling yourself that you need it? Just pay attention to that. And, you know, and the same is true when people say, yeah, you know, I'd rather just drink one glass, right? Rather than three glasses that, you know, once you start drinking, it's not like you then lose all control over what's going on in your mind. But most of us don't pay attention to any of the thoughts in there. We're not really conscious or aware or noticing the thoughts that say, oh, another won't matter. I'll I'll be better tomorrow. This one won't hurt. Right. So we have all these thoughts in there that are, you know, fueling our desire and we just don't even pay attention to it. And we just think, oh, it's, well, it's a bottle of rosé, right? Like that's, That's why I keep pouring another because the bottle is so resisting. The wine is so irresisting.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Or like sangria for me in the summer. I was like, I'm like, it's like half juice. It's not even that much wine.
1: It's (laughs) so charming. It's different.
0: It's like a Bloody Mary. It's like a meal.
1: (laughs) The number of people that tell me that I work with that will talk about how certain times of the year certain seasons, right? Like the weather starts turning warm and the idea Mm -hmm. of like, but how am I going to get through summer? What am I going to do? What, like, wait, like really you want me to consider going to a baseball game
0: and (laughs) not have a beer? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. You know, that happened for us last summer where we were going camping and what we would always do after we finally got the kids to sleep, in the tent with camping is we would totally have some beers mm-hmm. and my husband and I around the campfire and we really had to think. So he kind of like I always say he did the same work with me, but kind of through osmosis. He never really like formally sat down. But he asked me, Are you gonna drink anything? And I'm like, I guess I'm not. And so then we're kind of talking about it. He's like, hmm. And we're like, okay, well let's just bring some sparkling water. And you know what was so fun was having the same experience around the campfire, talking, looking at the stars, sleeping well. Mm -hmm. when the kids wake you up in the morning at the, I mean, earlier than the crack of dawn, right? Camping, it's just like, like, you know, you want to shoot yourself. It's so hard. You're like, well, okay, I can get up. It's no big deal. You know, it's, it was really better. And that's actually one thing I want you to touch on because I know like there's the kind of the idea of like, well, maybe my life could still be good if I didn't drink, but you talk about what, what if your life was actually better if you didn't drink? So I want you to just touch on that.
1: Yeah. And look, and I think most people come into it and they're like, okay, well, I guess I could cut back or I guess I could take a break and I'd be healthier. Right. And they kind of say it in that way, right? Like there's no (laughs) excitement. It's like, well, yeah, you know, my doctor would be happy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But the idea, right. The idea that yeah, it's not only that things can be better, but you can be so much happier. You can enjoy things so much more. And I think a big part of that you know is that when you're always getting that that hit of dopamine when you're drinking and like that's the thing that's making happy hour fun, that's the thing that's making, you know, your Friday night date night enjoyable. That's the thing that is is adding to you when you hang out with your girlfriends. You start to have this sort of artificial basis for what you think fun feels like and enjoyment looks like, right? And it's through this external thing that's giving you dopamine. And there is something that, it, you know, it's hard to explain, but what happened when you take that out, you start to understand like all these joys that you were missing because. Because they were more subtle and couldn't compare to that big hit of dopamine, I mean, so I think about my previous life, and I would have these really big highs, right like if you like go out and like get drunk, right, like you would have this like really big high from it, but I would have these super, super low lows, right? And so, you know, I think that I was going like really high and really low. And and now I feel like I'm in a place where, you know, I still have highs and lows, but the highs are there's so many more of them because I see them in so many places that I just missed before. Because, you know, honestly, going outside for a walk in nature was nice right but it didn't really yeah. compare to a couple glasses of wine for me back then mm-hmm. right so i just kind of missed it right and and it's little things like that that i think you start to understand there's all these moments of joy that you are bypassing and then the other thing it just really opens up your life right i mean oh i was spending so much time Thinking about drinking and when we were going to drink, and you know, like anticipating the wine that I was going to have at this fancy restaurant, but then also spending a lot of time and energy recovering from it and feeling kind of groggy the next day and waking up with a headache and maybe even dealing with the repercussions of beating myself up for why did I drink too much again, right? So, imagine what happens when you clear out all the time that you're spending not just drinking, but thinking about drinking and anticipating drinking and looking forward to drinking, but all the time and energy that you are dealing with on the repercussion side, right? All of a sudden you have, I mean, I had so much more time. I (laughs) understood what to do with And, and it opens up space in your life to actually start to discover like, what do I really like to do? How do I really want to spend my time? I think like you said earlier, drinking is just, it's so—it's such a social norm that it's just like, yeah, like having a fancy glass of wine with, with dinner, like that's what you do on date night, mm-hmm. right? And no hanging out with your friends, right, just happens to involve cocktails, right? And so when you open up that space, it really opens up a place in your mind to start to think about What do I want to do? And you know, and surprisingly, I found things that were more enjoyable and more exciting and more me outside of drinking.
0: Now, did you find though that your relationships with your friends changed? Did you find that there are some people who gave you a hard time? Like, let's talk about that a little bit. Just about the idea of like the people I always talk about food pushers. You know, the people who are like, "No, you must have this piece of cake." Right? There definitely are people who are like that. What do you mean you're not having a margarita? Come on, we're celebrating.
1: Yeah, I mean I you know it's interesting because when I when I think about that I do think that a lot of that had a lot of the pressure that I was feeling was I was getting pressure from some of my friends but I also was putting a lot of pressure on myself. Right? Mm-hmm. I was having a lot of judgment about what they were going to think of me, but it was really what I was thinking about me and whether or not I was still fun. And was I still normal? And could I still have a good time? So there were definitely people that you know, said, oh, come on. I, you know, like I've, I've seen you take a break before. This isn't going to last. Like just have a drink. It's Cinco de Mayo, right? Right. (laughs) It's someone's birthday. But I think, you know, I think actually for the most part, yeah, there are some people that maybe I don't spend time with anymore, but actually for the most part, most of my friends really are still all my same friends. It's just that our relationship doesn't, necessarily revolve around drinking. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I often say, this is the other thing, you know, in fact, like almost all of my friends drink, right. It's not, I haven't moved over to a new group of friends and nobody drinks anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's just that I don't anymore. I don't have desire for it. And yet we're still, we still have a friendship. And in many ways, I I think I convinced myself for a long time that wouldn't be possible.
0: Yeah, I think that's so good, right? So much of what we think, like we have this whole story, this whole belief that we've created for ourselves around something that we've never even tried. That was one thing that really I had to always work on with my eating was, you know, something like, could I actually sit down with the family and not eat if I wasn't actually legitimately hungry? And what I always, you know, I think this is kind of like with the medical mind a little bit, like, you know, kind of rationalizing a little, like, just like, well, is it possible (laughs) that I could sit down (laughs) with their family and not eat food and have it not be weird. I mean, I suppose it's possible, right? Like, you know, just like, I guess in some alternate universe, maybe, well, I guess I could try it and see, you know, and then I do it and I'd be like, okay, so that was like literally not a big deal at all. Okay, this is interesting, you know, or going to a restaurant, you know, I have gone to a restaurant and literally had club soda and that was it while everyone else is eating and it's just not a big deal. I kind of look at it like it's a big deal when you make it. A big deal, yeah. And that's all what you're thinking, right? So you, yeah. thinking and it's not a big deal,
1: completely. And I, th- you know, I think part of that is for a really long time how someone reacted about me not drinking. I always made that mean something negative about me, right? Yeah. Which, when in reality, it really means something about them. And you know, there are people. It's not like there are still there are people in the world, right, that think it is weird not to drink and think it is kind of like, if you're not drinking, like you're missing out on a really important part of life, right? You're really missing out on a really big piece of pleasure. And that, right. Of course we're supposed to like, there's a reason humans invented it thousands of years ago, (laughs) right? It's like part of human civilization and culture and, you know, just part of the experience. So there are people that definitely, and, you know, and when they find out the coaching issue that I work on are like, why would you want to desire alcohol less? <laughs> but but how I feel about it has changed so so drastically, not because their responses to me have changed, but because what I think about it is so tremendously different, right? right? And understanding right. whatever reaction they're having has to do with them.
0: Totally. Not necessarily good or bad, but it just has to do with the thoughts that are going on in their mind. Right. right? And you and get like, to I, decide to make those mean whatever you want. So you might yeah. as well choose something that serves you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, it, I mean, it's the same thing with food, right? I mean, it's the same thing really with any decision we make in our life that we're worried about what are people going to think? What does this mean about me?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what we pick, like we're mirroring what our own thoughts are uh, that we have about ourselves as though they're coming from somebody else. Yeah. That's yeah, so good. Well, Rachel, this was so great. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to find you, you have an amazing podcast. Tell us the name of it. It's called Take a Break from Drinking. All right. Perfect. So you can find that on iTunes, Stitcher.
1: Yes. All that. Perfect.
0: And then your website is Rachel Hart, H-A-R-T dot com, right? That's
1: right. Okay.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks for joining us on Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Now take the next step and go to KatrinaUbellMD.com to download just what you need. Join us again next week for more support to keep you in control and on the path to freedom around food.